You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. This episode is brought to you by Palo Alto Networks, the leader in cybersecurity. As AI-driven attacks increase, organizations can't afford to have network security that's stuck in the past. Discover how Palo Alto Networks can help you predict what's coming and proactively secure against it with a zero-trust, AI-powered network security platform built to secure whatever, whenever, wherever. To learn more, visit paloaltonetworks.com slash network security platform. When it comes to ensuring your company has top-notch security practices, things can get complicated and time-consuming fast. Now you can assess risk, secure the trust of your customers, and automate compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more with a single platform, Vanta. Vanta's leading trust management platform helps you continuously monitor compliance alongside reporting and tracking risk. Plus, save time by completing security questionnaires with Vanta AI. Learn why thousands of global companies use Vanta to automate evidence collection, unify risk management, and streamline security reviews. Watch Vanta's on-demand demo at vanta.com cyber. That's V-A-N-T-A dot cyber. DDoS carpet bombing, Lance Fly infests Asian targets, cyber insurance trends, info stealers in the C2C market, a Russian espionage service is masquerading as a criminal gang, Killnet's running a PSYOP radio station of questionable quality, Joe Kerrigan describes baiting fraudsters with fake crypto, our guest is Gemma Moore of Cyberis, talking about how red teaming can upskill detection and response teams. And geopolitical DDoS. I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire Intel briefing for Tuesday, May 16th, 2023. Carrero this morning released its 2023 DDoS Threat Intelligence Report, detailing the DDoS landscape and its evolution in the past year. The research showed a 300% increase from 2021 to 2022 in what are known as carpet bomb DDoS attacks, attacks which researchers define as distributing traffic across large IP address spaces, challenging standard victim-oriented detection and mitigation techniques. Botnet attacks that resemble the patterns of the Mirai botnet have spiked to over seven times the amount of traffic from 2021 to 2022. Domain name system services were also a much heavier target for DDoS attackers, seeing double the amount of attacks as occurred in 2020. Symantec reported yesterday that the advanced persistent threat Lancefly is using a custom backdoor to target government 
aviation, education, and telecommunications sectors in South and Southeast Asia. Lancefly's custom backdoor, Merdor, seems to have been around since 2018 and facilitates key logging, multiple C2C communication methods, and the ability to listen in to local port commands. Merdor is injected into the legitimate processes perfhost.exe or svchost.exe. Symantec assesses that Lancefly may have used phishing emails as an attack vector in a campaign in 2020. In its more recent activity, however, the initial infection vector was unclear. The researchers write, We saw some indications of what the initial infection vector may have been in two victims, though this was not conclusive. Lancefly's reuse of tools associated with Chinese APTs suggests some connection with those groups, but Symantec regards the evidence as inconclusive for precise attribution. Many of those tools have been widely shared. Cyber insurance provider Coalition released its 2023 Cyber Claims Report, which discusses trends and evolutions in cyber insurance claims. Data showed that those with even one unpatched critical vulnerability were 33% more likely to experience an incident, while those using software at its end of life had tripled the risk of an incident occurring. Phishing threats accounted for over three-quarters of the reported incidents, with claims related to phishing incidents increasing 29% since the start of 2022. The overall amount of claims related to cyber, however, decreased between 2021 and 2022 by 17%. SecureWorks released a threat report this morning discussing the growing threat from InfoStealers. Logs from InfoStealers that have taken user data continue to see an increase as time draws on. On the Russian market underground forum, a total amount of logs for sale increased by 150%, from 2 million in a day in June of last year to 5 million in February of this year. The overall growth rate for the Russian market forum was also rather notable, with a growth rate of 670% in logs for sale between June 2021 and May of 2023. Raccoon, Vidar, and Redline remain the most pervasive info-stealing threats. Legal action against the Genesis market and raid forums has slowed underground market activity. Telegram has also benefited from this change as more logs are being traded over the messaging platform. There is also, according to researchers, an increased need for tools to aid in parsing logs once the data is received. Tools with this capability are expected to increase in popularity in the future. TechCrunch reports that the Cuba ransomware gang, most closely associated with the RomCom remote access Trojan, is not actually a criminal organization, but rather a false flag being flown by a Russian intelligence service. The attribution, which TechCrunch credits to BlackBerry, is based principally on Cuba's target selection and the timing of its attacks. Cuba behaves like a well-resourced combat support operation, its activities closely coordinated with Russian operations across the spectrum of conflict. Killnet posted an approving link to an online PSYOP radio station centered around demoralizing Ukrainian and foreign troops fighting in Ukraine. On its website, Radio Life explains that its mission is to help Ukrainian military members to make the right choice, accept the only decision which will help save their own lives and the lives of their loved ones. 
In the five minutes we were able to listen to it, the radio station was blasting Quiet Riot's Come On, Feel the Noise, but the broadcast abruptly fell silent. The station also broadcasts in Ukraine via VHF radio channels and created a telegram channel on May 7th of last year that saw no posts until yesterday, when they dumped approximately 50 messages meant to demoralize Ukrainian service members and other Ukrainians engaged with the channel. The big question, of course, is why would the station confine itself to Quiet Riot? Were Mungo Jerry and Screamin' Jay Hawkins unavailable? And finally, to return to trends in distributed denial-of-service attacks, DDoS actions against selected targets in NATO member nations have risen since Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Presently, NetScout reports Finland, Hungary, and Turkey are receiving most of this malign attention. Easy and deniable, and the kind of activity you can hide under a false flag. Coming up after the break, Joe Kerrigan describes baiting fraudsters with fake crypto. Our guest is Gemma Moore of Cyberis, talking about how red teaming can upskill detection and response teams. Stick around. In the complex world of enterprise identity, securing legacy web apps at scale can be daunting. Strata Identity makes it simple. With Strata, you can effortlessly integrate non-standard apps with any identity service, like MFA or SSO, with zero coding and zero hassle. Designed by identity architects for identity architects, Strata works with every vendor, standard and app architecture. This means your apps can now speak modern protocols and integrate seamlessly with your chosen identity services. From securing on-prem web apps to migrating away from outdated identity providers or consolidating them, Strata helps you keep your complex access policies as you modernize your identity infrastructure and get rid of technical debt. Join leading organizations like 3M, Dallas County, and CIBC in securing your apps with Strata. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity security priorities, and receive a complimentary pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations with over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. Gemma Moore is co-founder and director of Cyberis, a pen-testing, red-teaming, and cloud risk management organization. I spoke with her about how pen-testing and red-teaming can be an opportunity to upskill your detection and response teams. So red-teaming um, sort of lives in the same stable as penetration testing, but it's actually quite a different approach. So penetration testing, we tend to look at technology and we're looking at, can we find all the vulnerabilities in this network or this system or this application, tick them all off, give you a remediation for each of them. Red teaming is very different because we're looking at pretending to be the adversary, pretending to be the attacker and using the same type of techniques. And what that means with red teaming is that um, we, the red team, have an objective to meet and it might be gain domain admin, it might be gain access to a customer database, something like that. 
that. And we can use um, all sorts of techniques, including um, sort of social engineering against people, misusing processes, and of course, vulnerabilities in technology to sort of join an attack chain together to achieve our objectives. So we're touching on a lot more breadth of area than a penetration test does, but also with less detailed coverage, if that makes sense. And what's the opportunity here then for the the members of your team to take advantage of this and up their game? Well, this is something that not a lot of people appreciate when they think about red teaming. Um, Red teaming, um, there's a lot of sort of uh, zeitgeist about red teaming, I suppose, and it's the cool thing to do. And, you know, you you get the red team in to come and, you know, give your defenses a kick. But the big opportunity is actually getting, in a safe way, your defenders to work out how well their processes work, um, how well their controls are functioning. As an analogy, um, if you were thinking about um, wrestling, you know, it's one thing learning all the wrestling moves and the wrestling techniques on your own in your room. It's quite another when you come up against a partner who is wrestling against you and trying to take advantage of weaknesses in your technique. So, Mm. um, you know, if you are um, training your blue team, for example, your your responders, um, sort of only in theory or um, only against sort of very restricted sets of um, behaviors that they expect of other people, you'll find that they won't have the sort of adaptability or the flexibility to, you know, change their processes on the fly when an adversary is doing something they don't expect. And red teaming really lets you lets you exercise that type of flexibility and work out actually, you know, if there was an incident, if there was a breach that you were trying to head off, would you be able to do that? I suppose um, in in some ways, it's a little bit like trying to think like an attacker rather than think like a defender. And that's that's the opportunity that you have with blue teams. So a lot of blue teams, let's take a really simple example. Let's look at um, malware or an antivirus alert. So you'll have an antivirus alert and you'll almost certainly have a control which quarantines a file or shuts down that file, that piece of malware that you found in your network. And you'll have a blue team or an instant responder sort of triaging that alert and saying, right, there was malware, it's been shut down, it's quarantined, you know, that particular issue is contained. The sort of join up that often blue teams don't have in their own minds is the threat is not the file. The threat is not the piece of malware. The threat is the person that sent the malware in, that tried to get it into the network, that tried to, you know, gain someone's credentials or get some malware running on a workstation, whatever it was. And just because your control has stopped that particular piece of malware does not mean that the threat has gone away. It does not mean that they're not going to try again. And it doesn't mean they're not going to try something different. So that, that's a sort of an aspect that often you can exercise in red team where you can't normally do that without the help of someone taking on the role of the adversary. Is there a certain amount of diplomacy that goes into this as well? I mean, I'm thinking that by its nature, this is an adversarial process, but in the end, everyone is on the same team. Yes, getting people on side is really important. We'll quite often find that we start start off a red team engagement with a bit of reluctance maybe from some people on the customer side or a bit of apprehension. Um, and it's natural because, you know, they are worried about, you know, what's going to happen if, you know, it turns out, you know, we can't see anything. Are we suddenly bad at our jobs? Or, you know, what's going to happen if, um, you know, we don't manage to 
contain the outbreak? You know, they're they going to be blame. Are we going to be in trouble? So there's definitely a amount of diplomacy. But what I would say is um, that a lot of the time, if you are open to running the red team in the right way, you can get people on side. And most of the time, what we managed to, to end up with is an exercise where everyone, including the people, including the blue team, have uh, actually found it quite fun, ultimately. There'll always be cases where, you know, there will be someone who doesn't want you to be doing an adversary simulation because they don't want you to be checking their work or looking at what they're doing or what have you. But it's quite rare, actually, um, that that happens. A lot of the time, focusing on, you know, reducing blame because blame culture doesn't help anyone in these situations emphasizing the positive outcomes of this. So, you know, if you're a stretched response team, and a lot, of, a lot of response teams are stretched, you know, they have limited resources, they have limited tooling, and they have limited time. A lot of them are in a, a fairly high-pressured situation a lot of the time. One of the big positives of this type of engagement with the blue team, you know, towards the end or during a, a red team, however it happens to be going, one of the big positives is you can make a really good case for a business case, for extra budget, for extra resources, for extra training. And ultimately, that benefits everyone. That's Gemma Moore from Cyberus. And joining me once again is Joe Kerrigan. He is from Harbor Labs and the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute. Hello, Joe. Hi, Dave. Uh, interesting article came from Cointelegraph, which is, uh, I guess, kind of a, a place where you get information about cryptocurrency and stuff like that. And yes. uh, I will admit that I tend to shy away from these sorts of things, uh, tend to shy away from crypto stuff in general, for better or for worse. Right. But this story caught my eye here. Uh, this was about uh, Kraken building a fake crypto account to try to bait some fraudsters. Right. Now, this, so, is a, this is the kind of thing you and I talk about over on Hacking Humans it is. all the time. What's going on here, Joe? So there is a YouTube and Twitch streamer yeah. uh, who goes by the name of Kit Boga, K-I-T-B-O-G-A. Okay. Uh, and the article also refers to him as Kitbot, mm. which I'm just going to call him Kit. I don't, Kit Boga is kind of hard for me to say. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to call him Kit. Uh, but he is remarkably good at scamming uh, scammers, at scam baiting I is, is the practice. Mm-hmm. So what he does is he calls into these uh, these people that are conducting a scam. They It's like the IRS scam or whatever. Yeah. And he's done things like like redeemed gift cards in front of them while they're, while they're telling him to just give them the numbers. Uh-huh. He redeems it before they can and they, they see that all the money fly away. And they get really frustrated. It really hurts these bad guys' feelings. He kind of turns the tables on them. He does. Okay. He does. It's not uh, really—he doesn't do anything remarkably sophisticated. He's not hacking into their systems. He's uh, not—he's just trolling them. Yeah. Which is great. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Wasting their time. Wasting their time. Because every second they spend on the phone with with this guy is a second they're not scamming, you know, your mom or your dad. Right. Right? They're not doing that. Yeah. Uh, So it's it's good work that he's doing. Well, Kraken— reached out to him. Kraken is a cryptocurrency exchange. Okay. And they gave him access to some environment that for all the world looks like it's a Kraken, a real Kraken environment. Huh. And they made it look like he had half a million dollars in Bitcoin in his account. Oh. And he calls up one of these scammers and the scammer is trying to get him to put the money into his Bitcoin wallet, Uh which by the way, was also a Kraken wallet, Oh, which... 
if you're a scammer, why do you have a wallet on Kraken? Hmm. I don't I understand that is. at all. <laughs> uh, but it was. It was a. It was a. It was. Or you know, it's not a wallet. Again, I, I, I say this. I say this wrong frequently. You don't get a wallet on Kraken. You get an address. The okay. wallet is Kraken's wallet. Okay. And the address is associated with your account. Okay. So Kraken controls the keys. And as a uh, cryptocurrency exchange, they're the ones that actually own the crypto. Yeah. Think of it like a bank. You put your money in the bank. They're holding your money. Right. But when it comes time to transfer the money away, this interface that Kraken has built for him allows him to just try to transfer money in. And what he does is he puts a typo in there and uh, makes it look like he has just burned a half a million dollars worth of Bitcoin. Hmm. And burning is when you send it to an address where nobody has the private keys. Oh. It's just, you can, you can do that with, with any cryptocurrency that uses public and private keys, which is all of them. So <laughs> you, you can, you can burn, uh, burn coins by sending them to essentially a random address. And when they're gone, they're gone. Then they're gone. You can't get them back unless you can find the private keys that can generate that address, which is remarkably difficult to do. Okay. When I say remarkably difficult, understand impossible. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> right. But you, you, you can't do it. Yeah. So this guy gets infuriated with him. The bad uh, guy. The bad guy. Because, because he, he's sees, just burned. he sees half a million dollars go into the, I was going to say ether, but that's right. that'd be a bad pun. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That would be a bad. He sees half a million dollars go to some unknown crypto wallet. Right. And he's asking him, why didn't you just copy and paste the Bitcoin address? Uh, because that's what you should have done. Uh-huh. And and he's like, well, I, I didn't enter it. I entered it right. And he I mean, the bad, it's, the bad it's, guy's already counting the money, right? right? <laughs> he sees, he gets in there and he, he, what happens? The first thing these bad guys do when they're doing these kind of scams with any, with anything, with a crypto exchange, with a bank, a bank account or anything is they have you install something like TeamViewer, which uh-huh. is a remote access system for doing remote tech support. Or, you know, maybe if you're, if you're, if you have a license and your parents need tech support, you yeah. can have them use it. Uh, so he, he gets gets to see what's going on on, on Kit's uh, screen. And he sees that Kit is logged into Kraken, and he sees that Kit has half a million dollars in there, and he just, oh, he just he starts drooling. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is going to be right, a great gonna day. Be a I, am day. Gonna, right. I am going to be able to take mm-hmm. my kids on vacation. Yep. I'm going to uh, move out of my mom's basement. Right. This is going to be great. I'm ordering the large ice cream cone today. Yes. Yes. And uh, and Kit essentially burns this non-existent half a million dollars in crypto and sends the guy into a seething rage. Mm. Worth the time to watch. It's, <laughs> you know, it's it's a one minute video that he has on. It's in the article uh, that that Kit has posted on his Twitter account. Definitely worth it. I I've watched a number of his videos and watched this guy just lead people on for hours. Uh, it's great. Yeah, I skip around the videos just yeah. to hear, see what's going on. What do you make of Kraken doing this, putting the effort into, I mean, uh, there's, on the one hand, could, do we label this a publicity stunt? Uh, on, I mean, it's certainly, there's some of that here. I would say there's good PR to be had, yeah. Yeah. I don't know I'd call this stunt. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, there's good PR to be had. But additionally, this was, this this attacker did have a wallet on Kraken. And that allowed them to, or an address, an address on Kraken. I got to stop saying wallet, an right. address on Kraken. Right. So he had an, uh, an account on Kraken. They know what his account is now uh, and they can shut him down. I see. So he can't use their infrastructure anymore. Mm-hmm. So there is, there is a legitimate good business purpose for this. Yeah. So, but the PR is, yeah, I'm sure the PR, the PR opportunity is not lost. No, no. All right. Well, interesting stuff. This one's uh, 
Kind of fun, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah. The guy the guy is impersonating President Joe Biden. Ah, okay. Sure. As and you do. That's As you do. awesome. I mean, it's a <laughs> terrible President Joe Biden impression, by the way. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, Joe Kerrigan, thanks for joining it's us. It's my pleasure. And that's The Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. We'd love to know what you think of this podcast. You can email us at cyberwire at n2k.com. Your feedback helps us ensure we're delivering the information and insights that help keep you a step ahead in the rapidly changing world of cybersecurity. We're privileged that N2K and podcasts like The Cyberwire are part of the daily intelligence routine of many of the most influential leaders and operators in the public and private sector, as well as the critical security teams supporting the Fortune 500 and many of the world's preeminent intelligence and law enforcement agencies. N2K Strategic Workforce Intelligence optimizes the value of your biggest investment, your people. We make you smarter about your team while making your team smarter. Learn more at n2k.com. This episode was produced by Liz Irvin and senior producer Jennifer Iben. Our mixer is Trey Hester, with original music by Elliot Peltzman. The show was written by John Petrick. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Managing the requirements for modern security programs is increasingly challenging and time-consuming. Enter Vanta. Vanta gives you one place to centralize and scale your security program, quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for ISO 27001, SOC 2, and more. You can leverage Vanta's market-leading trust management platform to unify risk management and secure the trust of your customers. Plus, use Vanta AI to save time when completing security questionnaires. CyberWire daily listeners can get $1,000 off by going to vanta.com cyber. That's V-A-N-T-A dot cyber.